Jonathan Esther, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Esther. Jonathan Esther, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Esther. Undertaker and AJ Styles had a match in WWE at WrestleMania. Rudy Huxtable grew up to become a porn star. And that is not the worst thing to come out of the Cosby show. Cosby is. Goddamn. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. And I know I said we were, we were going to talk about WandaVision this week, but we're actually pushing that back one more week. I actually had something fun I thought we would do that this would take us up for about the next two weeks. Um, as far as just, it's just a little interactive, getting, getting people's opinions, making people angry, all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, so next week we will review the first two episodes of WandaVision. And the way I'm going to do it is each episode will have two. We'll, we'll, we'll review two, two, two. And then the final episode, which will be episode nine, whatever that is. Once again, as of, as of this recording, I have literally watched zero seconds of um, WandaVision. Um, and then once WandaVision ends, we're going right into the review for Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm going to immediately watch uh, the first episode, I believe that's only six episodes, um, but they also said six, it was six episodes with WandaVision until it wasn't. So we're going to have a lot of content. So I really want to hit this, though, because I just thought about it and I thought it'd be cool. So I, I figured this, right? What would you do if you had a superhero draft from every character in the entire comic book world? So that's milestone that's dc that's marvel that's vertigo that's uh valiant a dark horse whatever you can think about you know and so i said if you're a team of 10 versus someone and who would you pick for a fight for a battle you know and why would you pick them so we're gonna do like a battle right between myself and jonathan esther we already picked our teams uh our 10 people and i want to leave the voting for you guys to see who had the most votes and who would win. But also when you guys send these emails in or DM me, whatever, I would love to know who would you pick? And why would you pick him? We're actually going to have Jonathan Esther on in a couple of weeks. And um, that will be one of the longer shows where I'm going to do be a two part show where I'll re- review WandaVision. And then we're going to have him on just to explain why he chose the team he chose. Voting will be up for two weeks. And then once that's up, it's going to be it's going to be Wednesday to Two Wednesdays from then, and then the following Wednesday, the third Wednesday would be. Um, so let me, matter of fact, let me get a calendar out. That way it'll be easier. 
Alright, so as this show takes place, it is the 10th. So on March 3rd, the winner will be announced, essentially. Um, and But we'll have Jonathan Estron before that, so that way we can uh, see what what he was thinking when he was thinking. So get this out the way. So I'm sure some people would ask, hey, is there anyone he chose that you want on your team? His number one pick is the only person I even thought about being on my team. But even then, that person wasn't even until like my fifth or sixth pick. So he was probably going to get them anyway. Um, and he had one person, and we'll get to them in a second, name them, that um, he named that I didn't even think about and I wish I did. Otherwise, I am completely happy with my team. I do think my team is too Marvel heavy. However, like when we started drafting, I thought, don't you know you're messaging somebody and then like they stop messaging for like a few hours, they, they get busy and they get back to you. I legitimately thought, because Jonathan Esther is one of those people, so I legitimately thought we would start drafting and at some point he would stop. And so I'd have time to think about it some more. And honestly, I just kind of just seen who he was picking and I tried to, I tried to do strength on strength or evil on strength or whatever. And so my team, I'm happy with them. However, I know for a fact they could have been, uh, could, it could have been better if we would have broken it down. But it's all good. I'm still happy with my team. So first, I'm gonna give you his team, okay? His team, his number one draft pick was the one that I I had on my list, but like I said, it wasn't so be, it, was, it wasn't going to be to like the fifth or sixth round because I just didn't think he was gonna think about it. Is the Silver Surfer. Number two, Blue Marvel. Three, Molecule Man. Four, God Gore the God Butcher. Five, Geniusville. Six, Icon. Icon was the one guy, when I saw him drop that name, I said, dang, I wish I would have thought of that. I, I did not think about Icon. I wish I did. For those of you who don't know who Icon is, Icon is uh, Milestone. Stag Shock is the face of that brand, but Icon is the first character, the first superhero in that universe. He is pretty much their black version of Superman, but even then, that's underselling him. His backstory is fantastic. If you ever get a chance to read his his issues, his earlier issues, you should read them. They're fantastic. His back, the backstory is just awesome. Um, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory right now. Pretty much, it just comes down to. Um, he land, he's, a, he's an alien. He landed on the planet and uh, when they were still slaves. And so he took the face or, or the body or the temperament or whatever you want to call it of the first thing he saw, which was a slave. So he became a black man and he he's immortal. And as he goes through time, he just evolves. He gets his education. He becomes a teacher like he is. He doesn't just have a secret identity like Clark Kent just to sell newspapers or whatever. He literally has his pulse on just everything in the world, essentially. Um, he's a great character. Number seven, Lobo. Eight, Monel. Nine, Etrogen. Ten, Martian Manhunter. So he actually has a good, he, I think he's a bit Marvel heavy as well. Um, I can think of what, what you have Lobo, Martian Manhunter, Etrogen. So he has three DC, one Milestone, but still heavy, deep, heavy Marvel. Um, but I still think it's a strong team. I do not believe it's better than my team, though. So my number one draft pick is the Injustice version of Superman. Now, remember, 
I said from every world in comic book lore. And as of this right, even if it wasn't continuity, it wouldn't matter, it would still count. Because of this writing, what DC has said is that Elseworlds are in continuity with everything they're doing, which DC can't make their mind up. They they switch branding every 10 seconds. But they would it would be legal no matter what, but it's even more legal now because it's all in continuity. Elseworlds is just a different planet or elsewhere. So I've Injustice version of Superman. The my second my, no no Injustice version of Superman is my first favorite Superman. The Red Sun Superman is my second version of Superman. I don't usually like Superman. I only like him when he's dark. There you go. My number two pick is Thor, which obviously. Like if, if if any of you know anything about Gore the God Butcher, you know why he picked him because number two was Thor. Number three is World War Hulk. See, I'm very specific with my characters because even though Hulk is a badass, he can be had. World War Hulk is one of those guys where it takes a lot to make him have sympathy and to make him want to stop. Number four, Adam Warlock. Number five and. For those of you who are wondering about that pick, you have to understand this. The reason why, and I don't have Thanos on my list, because Thanos can be had without that gauntlet. As you saw in uh, Endgame, that is actually as much comic book based as possible. Without that Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos is now a match for Strange. He's now a match for Scarlet Witch. Those are two of the most powerful characters ever. And he was he's not a match for them. Um... When I look back on it, Scarlet Witch is not on my list either, and I wish I would have put her on my list, but too bad. But anyways, Adam Warlock. Five is Doctor Doom. Six, Doctor Strange. Remember now, in the comic books, Doctor Strange is the one who taught Doctor Doom his magic. Number seven, Spawn. Number eight, Franklin Richards. Now, he is an Omega-level mutant. Know that. He is one of, I think, there's only like, 10 or 15 Omega level mutants. Franklin Richards, the son of Reed and Sue, is an Omega level mutant. He is a badass. And he can't control his power all the time. That does nothing but help me out. Number nine, another um, another one that I'm, I'm really surprised he chose Martian Manhunter. And by the way, he, he switched from Namor as his t- number 10 draft pick to Martian Manhunter. And so he picked this after I chose this one, which I'm surprised because the one weakness Martian Manhunter has is fire. Well, my number nine pick is Dark Phoenix. So that is, I don't, I don't understand that. That's which is why we're gonna have him on. Then also we're gonna have the judge. And my number ten is the judge, jury, and executioner, the Living Tribunal. So we're gonna we're gonna say those names again. But I feel really good about my team. Um, Like I said. Not as diverse as I would like. It's only one DC character on there and one Dark Horse character. So other than that, the rest of the characters are Marvel. Um, that was not by design. But um, when I first pitched this, I legitimately thought we were going to give it a day and then it didn't happen. So let's just go through the teams one more time. And I want you guys to vote. So you can DM me. You can um, email me. And we're going to count those votes up. And whoever wins, wins. Dave's number, Jonathan Nestor's number one pick is Silver Surfer, Blue Marvel, Molecule Man, Gore the God Butcher, Geniusville, Icon, Lobo, Monel, Etrigan, and Martian Manhunter. My team. 
Injustice Superman, Thor, World War Hulk, Adam Warlock, Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, Spawn, Franklin Richards, Dark Phoenix, and the Living Tribunal. So, voting's up now once you hear it. And like I said, it's going to go for two weeks. And then on March 3rd, we will officially announce the winner. Um, also, that's, not the, that's, not, that's, that's the first part of the show. The other thing I want to talk about, as I did my Watchmen review a couple weeks ago, um, I got some really good feedback. And someone had asked me, and I need to look for his name, or is I think it's Figs Hunt. And uh, it's on Instagram. So I think it's Figs Hunt at Instagram or whatever. He asked me a question. He said, hey, or he or she, whoever this is, said, hey, because um, all they have is uh, pictures of their action figures. I'm assuming it's a guy, but I don't want to discriminate. So whoever it is, shout out to you. He said, hey, I, I heard your Watchmen review. Who do you think, What me or what graphic novels do you think cannot be fully adapted to live action? Now, this may be a controversial list because we've seen some of this already adapted. But when I took this question, I was taking this question as. Um, when he said fully adapt, when they said fully adapted, I'm thinking everything that's on the panel to pay to to to, to screen. Right. So I'm, I wrote five down. And like I said, I would love to hear you guys list. But that's the way I took this question. Just a disclaimer. Number one's Watchmen. And I think people get so pissed off at Zack Snyder's version or the HBO version. The reason why I did the HBO version reviews because I was watching this video, which I think is hilarious. This guy went like a two, he went two and a half hours of like ranting about how this, it didn't make sense and whatever, right? And that, he still pointed out good parts of it, but it's mainly bad stuff. Here's the thing about Watchmen. Alan Morris come on and said before, his none of his stuff is ever created for live action. The reason why Watchmen in particular is not created for live action is because it's way too complex. You would need a 10-hour film. Because I don't think people realize, and I think I said this in the Watchmen review, dude, there is, a, there is a, along with the main plot, there's another side plot where it's a story inside of a comic book. So it's a comic book inside of a comic book. It's its own story in itself. So if you actually wanted to show that, that would just throw off everything with pacing in a movie. You know what I'm saying? In a comic book, you have 12 issues. And remember, if you, anyone who's ever read that comic or that graphic novel, each page had 12 panels or six panels, excuse me, um, which was by design. You know what I'm saying? And that's a lot of panels to have. And now you see all these fancy designs and stuff, which is cool. But it was that many because that's how long the story was and needed to be and how complex it was. I don't think you can ever fully adapt that to a big screen. You just won't. That's why if you look at Zack Snyder's cut, it's legitimately just following those main characters. But if you look at those main characters, they're all complex within itself. Like, you don't understand. Like, he couldn't go back in history. He's, he, what he where he starts in the movie is with Rorschach starting his journey of finding out who's killing Max, right? Well, in the comic book, Rorschach's whole history is laid out where you see the trauma he 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 endures as a kid. You see the anger he has and why he has the anger. And you and you and he's a much more complex character even though he became the most popular character in there. It's mainly because he was so different. But dude is a, he's a pretty sick individual. You know, Mr. Manhattan, you see him devolve. Like in the movie, he's already 
once he becomes Dr. Manhattan, he's already complex, right? But in the comic, you see him devolve into being that complex. You see him losing his humanity and you see once him and uh, Lori break up. All right. Now I've lost my only key to humanity. What do I do? You know, Ozymandias, look at the end of that comic book for the joy he seeks after his plan is fulfilled. You see the the, the regret and the, the wait a minute. Was this the right call? Was it? I think I think it was, but I'm not sure. You, you know what I'm saying? So, um, like, there's a lot of things there, and even then, Lori at the end of the, at the end of the comic, she she comes to understand her her past, and that makes her reconcile with her future, and her and Dan go off and become heroes together. You know what I'm saying? It's just them. Um, so to me, I don't think you can truly adapt that now. If you read some of his other stuff, Alan Moore, I, I disagree. I think you can make some of those um, live action because they're even if they are complex stories, they're not as complex as this. I don't know how long it took him and Dave Gibbons to do that story, but dude, it's the detail in it and the detail with every character. That's that's rare that we see that nowadays. Usually we see somebody get shortchanged. No one's story got shortchanged in that entire 12 page, uh, 12 issue graphic novel number two here's where it gets controversial civil war to me civil war is still a good movie but even then if you look at some of the aspects of it right robert downey jr wanting to sign the accords because they're going to do something worse to us then he brings a high school kid into the fight that's that's off you you, you get what i'm saying that, that that just that's just off and it's weird to me I'm not even talking at this point in time. We already know that different rights are sold, blah, blah, blah. So we know we got what we got. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying anything about that. But what I'm saying though is even some of the dialogue was could have been crucial to showing both sides to me. And obviously, you had to fit the whole Bucky thing in to get the breakup and all this other stuff, right? To me, I think it was crucial because there's a line of dialogue in the comic book, and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but follow me. Someone questions Captain America because Captain America says, hey, I'm fighting for the values of America. And someone asks, says, hey, hey, Cap, when's the last time you read a newspaper? When's the last time you did a Facebook post or did this person is asking him, when's the last time you actually lived in America and not just lived in the fight? That piece of dialogue is what made him surrender. And even though there was still an underground uh, group afterwards that was, I believe, led by Luke Cage. That's what made Captain, because Captain America realized, holy crap, I don't know this America. I've been fighting for so long that I just live for the fight. That's what made him put the shield down. Um, especially once they destroyed the city that they just rebuilt, essentially. Um, to me, that dialogue should have been very important. Not just about, hey, it's, that's my father's shield and blah, 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 and about Bucky. I think it helps to say, hey, Cap. And don't get me wrong, Cap had some good valid points as well. But since Cap, because Cap technically was a heel in that. I know a lot of people don't like talking about that, but that's the same way we had the Batman conundrum uh, last week. We have the Captain America conundrum. It's okay to say Captain America was the heel in that. He was. He, he admitted to being a liar and keeping information. He's the one that just, he kept pushing back until he couldn't push anymore. You know what I'm saying? All for Bucky. 
at that point it wasn't for it wasn't for civil it wasn't for the uh the 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 the, the, the treaty you know the Sokovia Accords it was for Bucky because in my opinion if you look at Iron Man's team Vision alone and Black Panther alone could take down Bucky so let's not believe that narrative of he I'm the only one that's gonna die trying yeah I all right Art cap. Um, so to me, you can't fully adapt that because then even then, like the next one I have, it has consequences afterwards. Because pe- a lot of people don't talk about this because the storyline was kind of eh, afterwards. But Captain America gets shot and dies. You know, of course he comes back to life. Comic books. But I mean, to me, the aftermath of it, we couldn't really feel in the movies because after that is Infinity War. That w- that whole Civil War was in the movies was to set up hey this is why they're gonna lose this battle because they're separated and thanos has them at their worst do you get what i'm saying so to me it was used as a stepping stone to get to the next one which was a good stepping stone i just don't think you could fully adapt the meaning of that storyline so number three house of x to me you guys are probably my ping going off at this point. But to me, that's another one. Like, even though people truly believe House of X is WandaVision, WandaVision, House of X is so much more complex than just WandaVision believing whatever this is she believes. And obviously we'll get to that in the coming weeks. But to me, it's more important because... How do I say this? It's more important because of the ramifications, how and how Marvel stuck to those ramifications for years. Like there was literally like what ten percent of mutants for years, until more recently. Like they held on to. That. I remember um, I read an article, someone sent it to me. It was about the Blob, and it was about how and they, and they were just impressed about how I think it was this, this was four or five years after the House of X storyline, and they were just doing an update on some of the characters that. You know, have just, have just gone missing. And they're like, well, the blob is still affected by House of X. So he's like living a life as a short as a short order cook. I was like, the, the level of detail there is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Because like, they don't have to do that. It's appreciated when they do it. But it's one of those things where to me, to really dig into the House of X, it's not just about Wanda breaking down. It's about, like everything is. Secrets, right? And... Um, people can't let go of their loved ones. And to me, that was the biggest flaw in Infinity War, the movie, for for, for the Avengers. The movie would have been over if, if if Captain America would have said, all right, Vision, we're, we're pulling that shit out your head. You're right. We're pulling that shit out your head. We're crushing it. At that point, there is no... And obviously, we need to do it because it's, there's, it's in the movie to the point. But no, Vision was right. And because they, because they were not willing to sacrifice... You look at the end, you look at that movie, all Thanos did that entire day was lose his entire clan and sacrifice his daughter. He's pretty sick for doing the daughter part, but he sacrificed that entire day. What did the Avengers sacrifice? Tony Stark, knowing that his dream was coming true of a threat, still couldn't make a phone call because he was too butthurt about whatever. They sacrificed nothing and they lost everything. To me, House of X is, is the same thing. It's about sacrifice. Magneto is not willing to sacrifice. Quicksilver is not willing to sacrifice. And then once again, it's always easier said than done when you're not in that position of asking to be sacrificed or asking to sacrifice. So I'm 
I'm not judging either way. But it's just fascinating how um, a lot of times that's what these stories come down to. And to me, House of X is so pivotal, so pivotal because of how powerful you finally see. You know Scarlet Witch is already powerful. I think we have already known that. But this puts her in the mainstream, in my opinion, and the limelight for the very first time. And I think it makes you conflicted as the reader. Because she's, is she a bad guy for wanting a family, wanting a normal life? I don't think so. But then she said, no more mutants. And just to leave on that, just to have it end on that, it's like, it gives you chills, you know? But I don't think you could fully adapt this because, and, and let's say they are doing House of X in WandaVision. They're doing it the reverse way, which is cool. But I'm, 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 once again, I'm going off of if you take what's on the page and put it on the big screen. I just don't think you can do that in long-term storytelling where only you go from having, I don't know, a populace of 60% mutants to 10. That's that's hard. That's 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 easy to do if you spread movies out the way Marvel does. However, there are some movies where certain things aren't acknowledged because people don't know each other yet. And I think that is one of those things where one of those storylines where I don't think you could ignore it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they had to mention the Sokovian Accords one time in Infinity War, right? But I'm wondering if, if, if that's still a thing. We know Thunderbolt Ross is alive. He was at Stark's funeral. Will, will they ever be acknowledged again? I think sometimes we get caught up in what's next, what's next. We got we to think about the consequences of before, though, first. You know? Number four is Flashpoint. I know they're going to do a Flashpoint movie. I think it's coming out, what, 2022 or something? I wonder, because the only thing I'm thinking about is now that Ezra Miller has come on TV and done a cameo, that means everything's connected, right? We no longer will hear, oh, the DC television shows are not connected and blah, 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 and this, that, and third. Well, they're connected clearly, right? But the thing I'm curious about is, as he's going through Flashpoint, and I think it'll be a really cool visual, and for those of you who've read the Flashpoint comic, you know, at the end, when he's doing Flashpoint again to make things right, by the way, it's a great storyline, you, the, the, you see the DC universe in one corner, the Vertigo universe in another corner, and a third universe in another corner. I can't remember the name right now. I'm drawing a blank because I'm tired. But you see the merging all to become one. I, I think it'll be a great visual if you have the Snyderverse Justice League as he's running, going through Flashpoint or at the Speed Force. You have Snyderverse in one corner as he's passing. Then you have the DC, uh, well, the, the Arrowverse passing, and I, whatever. And I think you need to have like um, Stephen Mills Green Arrow and um, Grant Gustin's Flash in there. And you just see these different universes converging. Apparently, that's what this is gonna do. Um, but I'm that's still wait and see. But I think that's gonna be so hard for them to do because there's so many politics. Like they've already taken Ray Fisher, Cyborg out of it, and Cyborg wasn't well. Actually, Cyborg was a big part of Flashpoint. Cyborg in the future or in the universe that uh, Barry uh, Allen creates is the only superhero, and. Um, 
And so, like, everyone else has turned evil. They're fighting against each other. You have Wonder Woman and the Glam... I'm about to say Glamazons. The Amazons versus... Uh, Glamazon, fucking Beth Phoenix. The Amazons versus the Atlanteans and Aquaman and all this other stuff. And um, I believe... I can't remember. And this is going to suck. If I'm wrong, you guys will tell me. But I know in the anime movie, they have Wonder Woman kill Aquaman. I don't remember if that was a thing. In the comic book. I, I thought they fought to a tie. But anyways. Then you have uh, Thomas Wayne's version of Batman. Which is just a badass drinking version of Batman. Um, uh, I did. By the way. I did get that figure. That McFarlane figure. Actually, I actually have I've purchased three McFarlane figures. Or four McFarlane figures. I'm not a big fan of his his figure line. I think the 7 inch scale is a little too much for me. But he does have some badass figures in there. I got the Harley Quinn and Batman AMS series version because I never had Harley Quinn before. And that's the only one I really like. Um, there was this Flash from Rebirth, which is really cool. One of his best figures. Then you have the the Thomas Wayne Batman Flashpoint. Then you have the Red Sun Bat, uh, Red Red Sun uh, Superman, which is really cool. That's the last one I got. But anyways, um, I think it's kind of hard to take that and do that. Because I'm assuming these guys got to do it with so many politics at this point. And I can't wait for that movie. Um... But I just wonder what other hurdles they're gonna have to have to go through because Warner Brothers is just so consistently bad at being consistently bad. They're just terrible, you know what I'm saying? So um, I think it's gonna be hard to do that. But if they pull that off, because we already know it's connected now, and as we're as he's in the Speed Force and he's making things right, you see these things, and that's all. That's the thing. Also, if Michael Keaton is really truly attached to being the older version of Batman, I would assume you have to make him Thomas Wayne, right? Or, or, or if you keep him as Bruce, like, I don't know what you're doing with that. But who, But I, I guess Jeffrey D. Morgan would be Thomas. Never mind. Which is not a bad choice either. Anyways, I, I would have to... This is a, two, a TBD, obviously. But um, I, I think it's going to be hard to do that, man. Because it was so... And main reason for a lot of stuff is these things aren't PG-13, man. Like, Batman, like Thomas Wayne, shoot, uses guns. And shoots reverse flash in the head once because it because it, it looks like because a, a nuclear explosion happens and it's getting closer and closer and flash needs to run in order to change things and one of the best lines and one of the most heartbreaking lines is when Barry Allen's down and Thomas Wayne before he gets shot it's like don't do it don't die Barry don't forget my son it's like holy that is so like heartbreaking you know what I'm saying because like Thomas Wayne has come to believe this guy and realize that hey. My son is alive. I'm dead. I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? Just so fucking powerful. Um, and so, um, like he, like, 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 Reverse Flash has Flash beat. He just, he, he just has buried down. And all of a sudden, as he's laughing, pow, right through the fucking skull. That's where he kill a flat, uh, speedster right there. And Barry barely gets heels up before he starts running. He barely beats a nuclear explosion before he, he sets things right or sets the world back. Um, and then one of the, the, the best lines of the whole comic book, and I'm glad he adapted it for um, the, 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 the animated movie, was when he passes off the note from Thomas Wayne to Bruce Wayne. And Bruce looks at it and says, this is my dad's handwriting. And he starts crying, he takes his mask off and he starts crying and says, Barry Allen, you're one hell of a messenger. Great fucking story. I'm curious to see if that's going to happen. We obviously have a lot of rumors and conjecture. You need Batman in there. You need a Thomas Wayne Batman in there. 
Um, you need multiple of everything. You need Cyborg in there. You know, so I'm hoping Ray Fisher or not Ray Fisher, but Warner Brothers can wake up and say, hey, we need Ray Fisher in this. Or we need, or even if you recast Cy- Cyborg, you need somebody in there like that. But I just think with all the politics and everything going on with DC right now and Warner Brothers, I just don't see it. The life and death of Superman is the final one we'll talk about today. Um, they've already kind of done this. If you look at the death of Superman, it was so iconic. Him having a battle with Doomsday to the end. They've already done the death of Superman, and it was three-on-one. The way he died was really corny. The way he was brought back to life was, I guess, cool, I guess. But even the way he was brought back to life in the comic books was terrible. It was a terrible look. It was a terrible cash grab. There are some people... It's like like Jonathan Esther has this thing for Iron Man 3 that he won't let go because he thinks it sucks so bad and it wasn't a good movie. Some people, almost 30 years later... We'll still talk about the death of Superman, but like that was so fucking terrible. Like you can't get them off of it. That's the that is like the ledge and the hill they're gonna die on, and they deserve it. But I think that that story arc is so hard to adapt because it's like how do you bring him back? Because they brought him back so stupid, so stupid, so terrible. So it's like how do you bring him back? Also, how do you die? How do you kill him? Because Doomsday, yeah, killed him. Air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. But it's like Doomsday and Superman are kind of the almost unkillable things in the entire comic book world. I would say those two, Dr. Manhattan, an icon. Otherwise, like, they're hard to kill, you know? Um, so I just think that's the storyline. We don't need to go too deep into it because we all know what uh, happened at the end of BVS. But I think that one's just so hard to adapt from page to screen because uh, it's one big fight. You know what I'm saying? It's just one huge fight. And then after that, it's like they both die. It's very anticlimactic, especially when he comes back. So I don't know. But anyways, that is a show for this week. Next week, we are getting to WandaVision. I promise you. Um, vote. Like I said, send me an email at remoent at gmail.com send me a dm whatever we're going to announce the winner on march 3rd i'm looking forward to winning this thing i believe i have the stronger team um but that's all we have for this week you guys enjoy the rest of your week we're out